This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place, it's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. It has been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a typical teenager. Christina has gastroesophageal reflux disease. She was scheduled for two procedures at the hospital this past Wednesday. The afternoon before the procedures, we were told that insurance had not approved one of the procedures. Supposedly, the procedure was denied due to a notation in the doctor's notes from two months ago saying Christina was doing better. Of course, doing better is a relative term. If she can go to school for half a day, she's doing better. If she is seizure-free for five days, then she is doing better. Sometimes if she is seizure-free for a day, then she is doing better. Regardless, her issues have not been resolved. There are many times that Christina will look at me and tell me, something is wrong with me. She always wants to know what I am going to do about it. For weeks I've been telling her that this test will provide the answers we need to help her. My husband Jeff was going with us to the hospital because in traumatic situations, Christina will have a seizure. In fact, Christina was very upset when she realized the procedure was canceled. She had a grand mal seizure in her bed while I was on the phone trying to resolve the problem. To add insult to injury, the insurance company will no longer cover the medicine that cuts the lining of her esophagus and stomach as of April 1st. This medicine costs about $500 a month. Oh well, life in Holland. Today we have a great show. Our guest is with Success for Kids and Families. It is an organization that offers community-based services for families in Hillsborough County. They have been offering a helping hand for parents and families when kids begin to experience problems in school, at home, or even with the law since 2005. Today, we will be discussing their successful parents program, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the family. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. 
That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Today, we have a representative from Success for Kids and Families. It is an organization that offers community-based services for families in Hillsborough County. They have been offering a helping hand for parents and families when kids begin to experience problems in school, at home, or even with the law since 2005. Today, we will be discussing their successful parents program, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the families. Our guest is Misty Ross. Misty, please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved with Success for Kids and Families. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. Um, I was actually born and raised in Gainesville, Florida, and I earned my bachelor's degree from the University of Florida in 2009 in sociology. During that time, I also volunteered as a guardian ad litem, which was sort of my first um, step into the child welfare world. Um, After that, I moved down to Tampa, earned my master's degree from the University of South Florida in social work. And um, after graduation, I worked for two years as a foster care placement coordinator with Eckerd. And um, at that point in time, decided that I wanted to be a support and I wanted to recruit foster families. So I went on to do um, licensing with the Children's Home Network for a year. And um, during that time, I um, kind of came to the realization that I did not want to work on the back end any longer. I did not want to be reactive. So um, I heard about Success for Kids and Families and decided that I wanted to proactively work to prevent abuse and neglect. And so um, that is one of the reasons that I love what I do, um, because we really serve families who are at risk of um, having dependency or child welfare involvement. Right. Now, on a personal level, how did you decide to become involved with all this? Well, um, during my time as a placement coordinator, I actually spent several months interviewing my mom about her childhood and learned um, in great detail the um, multiple forms of abuse and neglect that she had experienced by both her mother and father throughout her entire life from infancy. Um, Prior to my birth, I, um, my Five older brothers spent almost three years in foster care, um, which sort of um, was a result of my mom fleeing a domestic violence relationship back in 1979. And um, services weren't what they are today at that point in time. And so um, within a few short weeks, um, she was charged with neglect. And my brothers, um, as I said, spent almost three years in foster care. And so um, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about the program we're going to talk about today is because I, I truly believe that had it existed back in during those days um, to support my mother, she would have um, gotten to the place that she needed to be to to raise my brothers and then me um, a lot faster. And so um, um, I'm just so grateful for her. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm sure you provide um, a great deal of understanding to the families that you're working with. And do you tell them a little bit about your background or is that kind of one of the things you don't really talk about with people? So I actually don't work directly with the families. I supervise um, three people that do work directly with the families in the community. So I do talk to them, um, my supervisees, um, about my experiences um, from time to time, um, but I don't really have that opportunity. Right. Now, exactly who do you serve in our community? Like, who are your typical participants? Um, Okay. So for the Successful Parents Program, um, 
I would say about 90 to 95% are, are moms, are women. Um, although we do serve some dads, um, many of them, I would say in excess of 95% have experienced some form of sexual abuse during their childhood. Um, some have experienced sexual assault as adults. Um, and, you know, we also often see, um, other forms of abuse and neglect, um, and even abandonment, um, you know, having, um, with the parents that we work with. And so um, that's kind of the typical population. Um, we do also serve parents who um, have child welfare involvement, whose children are either in foster care or placed with relatives through the state. Right. Um, and what we do is we help them to complete their case plans so that they can um, complete those tasks that are required for them to regain custody of their children. Yes. Um, so how do they find you? Um, most of them are referred either through child protection investigators or through one of our two diversion programs um, or through their dependency case manager. Now, what's a diversion program? Diversion is um, it's not a court involved program, um, but it's sort of like the step in between or, or step below that. It's basically okay. um formal services that are also offered in the community um, that um, that families can access. So similar to ours, um, but a little bit different as they're funded through Eckerd um, versus, you know, us, we have, you know, separate funding sources. Right. And then if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you about the sexual abuse, because mm-hmm. I know for, for special needs, it's really high, the uh, abuse. Is there a difference if it takes place during childhood versus as an adult or, I mean, what are you seeing out there? I'm sorry. I'm not exactly sure what you mean as far as, far as the as difference, like do, the population that able, tends to no, be target. No. Are people able to overcome it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They can. I, I think one of the hardest parts is um, just saying that this happened to me, you know, admitting in the first place that this happened to them. But oftentimes right. they really do want to work through the pain that they're still feeling sometimes 10, 20, 30 years later. Um so do you provide, I guess, counseling services also? So Successful Parents is really um, a case management program. So what we usually do is help the parent link up to mental health services through their health insurance if they are insured. Right. However, if they're uninsured, we can provide a therapist from within our agency to work with them um, either in their home or in the community. So basically you provide a whole turnkey system to help them what, with whatever needs that they have. Absolutely. This program is very strengths-based and very um, family-driven. And so we basically help them formulate goals based on what they are identifying as their needs. Correct. So now, whatever that is. Right. So then what are some of the um, the common challenges that you're seeing? Um, so I sort of broke this up into two sections. Um, we see a lot of individual-level challenges um, with goal attainment, um, as far as the goals they set with our program, but we also see a lot of systemic challenges as well. Um, the parents in our program tend to be very crisis oriented. Yes. Um, they often have, um, just become comfortable and accustomed to, um, you know, living in crisis constantly. Right. And so it's very difficult for them oftentimes to, um, get to a place where they're, 
um, comfortable not being in that space constantly. And so um, the other thing that we see is um, just an overall lack of hope. It's very hard for them often to see that things can be different, that their lives can be healthy and stable. Um, You know, they've experienced in many cases a lot of disappointment, um, often beginning very early in life. And they have really come to believe that they don't deserve better. And really, in many ways, they're afraid to um, get to a healthy place because of the fear of losing that stability. Right. So how do you show them that? How do you bring them along in their thought processes? Well, one of the first things we try to do is help them um, to prioritize. And so if you think about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes, yes. we always start with sort of the base level. Right. Okay. So if we have a, a parent who sta- has um, unstable housing or they're um, food insecure where they, they don't have enough food right. or, um, you know, they are lacking transportation, we try to start with helping them address those immediate needs so that they understand that we really are there to help them. We, you know, right. we start by building that rapport and, and, and doing those little small things that we can so that then they are more open to the idea when we suggest to them, okay, maybe it's now time to get some counseling for this depression and anxiety or whatever, yes. you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, whatever it is that you're, um, you know, experiencing. And so it's really about building the relationship first yes, so that they're comfortable and um, believe that you're coming from a place of wanting them to, to be better. Right. Okay. So you're proving that you're there to help them in all their situations. Okay. Yes, that's what we try to do. Yes, and then as far as some of the other barriers that you're running into. So, um, you know, along that same line, one of the things that we often see um, is we'll get a parent who is referred, they will enroll, they will have one or two sessions with the case manager, set some goals, and then they will, you know, maybe get some assistance with um, transportation or housing, and then they will pull out. And so... um, Sometimes what we see is down the road, they'll call us back, even if they sort of fall off the map, so to speak, right? Um, and say, okay, I'm ready now for help. Um, and so um, that's one big, you know, challenge that we see. Um, right. I wish that more parents did that, um, but but it does happen. And so it's all about planting that seed of hope that things can be different so that down the road when they're ready, they can come yeah, and seek the, out help. The difference. That's awesome. Well, why don't we take a break? I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Misty Ross. We are discussing Successful Parents Program with Success for Kids and Families, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the families in our community. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to Special Needs Family Hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Misty Ross. We are discussing the Successful Parents Program with Success for Kids and Families, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the families in our communities. Now, Misty, in the last segment, you were talking about hope. 
Can you ex- talk a little bit more, expound that whole thought? Absolutely. Thank you, Julie. So as I was saying before, you know, a lot of the parents in this program really do lack hope. It's difficult for them to see that things can be different when they have um, been the same for so long. And right. so um, I reflect on um, a recent um, TED Talk, actually, that I listened to by a woman um, by the name of Brene Brown. She is a social work researcher out of Houston, yes. and she described hope not as a feeling. You know, basically what she said is most people think that hope is a feeling when in fact hope is something that we actually learn over time through our lives. Hope right. is actually a process. Um, and so it's something that is difficult to teach but can be taught later in life. I am absolutely certain of that. Yes. And so she sort of talks about hope as, as, as three parts. Okay. Um, first, she says that hope, um, in order to have hope, you have to have the ability to set a goal. You have to um, be able to set a goal that is measurable, that is realistic for you. Right. Um, the second part um, is what she calls pathway, which is basically knowing how to reach that goal, knowing how to access the tools that you're going to need, whether they're internal tools that that come from from within or from your own you know your, your from your own brain or um, right. external tools so it's it's knowing how to reach that goal that pathway yes and she said the third part is um, is what she calls agency um, this ability to to develop a plan B and to not give up if right. that first pathway or that second pathway that you've taken doesn't lead you to successfully complete that goal. Um, that really just also ties into resilience and our ability, you know, not to give up. And so um, the other thing that she also mentioned was that, you know, hope is the opposite of despair. And the way she defined despair was to say that it is believing that tomorrow will be just like today. So think of it. You wake up, you're stressed out, you're anxious, nothing is going right in your life. And so day after day, you're waking up and feeling this way that and and having no no hope, no ability to see that the future can be different. That is despair. And it's so... Um, challenging for our parents and just for us as human beings to kind right. of to get out of that. And so that's what we try to do with this program is, um, you know, the case managers who work with and the therapists who work with these parents really try to get them to see that things can be different, to get them to see past that current crisis that they're in, um, which then will allow them in the future to prevent crises from occurring in the first place right. and to actually plan ahead. And so, um, and so that, um, do you, do you present to the, to your clients, do you present examples of people that you've helped and who are successful in the program? Absolutely. You know, right. of course, you know, being careful that we're, you know, not using any information that's right. identifying, no right. but, um, most definitely we do. We, um, you know, using real world examples is one of the best ways to convince people that, that, that change is possible. So what are some examples you could share with us? N- not real names, but 
some examples. So for instance, um, you know, we had a parent recently whose um, son was on the autism spectrum. Um, He had been raised for several years by her brother. And um, it took her quite a long time to work through a lot of the trauma that she had experienced growing up so that she could deal with the the anger issues that she had as a result that were preventing her from being the parent that she wanted to be. And we're preventing her from from being um, stable and self-sufficient enough to take care of her own child. Right. Well, just recently, after um, a couple of years, um, she was reunified with her son, who is now five. And, um, you know, that's that's one of many success stories that we have. Um, um, And so, you know, we can use that example to, to show that no matter how much you believe in your heart that you can't change that right. you've experienced so much that you can never heal. It really is possible. Yes. And so, well, it's possible to be whole again. Absolutely. And sometimes you have to go back to where things went kind of off the rails and fix it, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, and, and first and foremost with that, um, you know, as I, I learned from my mother primarily initially, um, is that you have to learn to love yourself. You have to learn to, to forgive yourself and to not feel, yes. feel guilty about the things that you've experienced as a child in most cases. Um, and so in order to love your child or love anyone else or have healthy relationships, you have to be able to love and have self-worth within right. yourself. Right. And a lot of the people that you're dealing with haven't necessarily had the best models as far as the modeling of parenthood and marriages. So it's just, it's very hard. It's hard to teach what you haven't experienced. Mm -hmm. So you have that going on. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is um, what we know from particularly over the last 15 years with all the advances in neuroimaging and neuroscience is that, Early childhood trauma has such an impact. And when I say early childhood, I mean prior to the age of five. Those experiences that you have as an infant and a toddler actually have a greater impact in many ways on the parent that you're going to turn into because of the parts of your brain that are developing during that time that are then underdeveloped because you are stressed out. Right. Chronically, so um, you know d- during that time frame in your life, and so when you combine that with um, the mental illness that often develops, um, you know anxiety, depression, post traumatic stress disorder, that also prevents your brain from functioning at at its best, and right. so you've basically kind of got the perfect storm of an underdeveloped brain that is also under functioning because it's stressed out. Yes, and so. You know, combined with, if you even think about, you know, the parts of your brain that are responsible for mood regulation, cause and effect reasoning, things like that, are not even fully developed till you're 25, which is why you see a lot of young parents who abuse, neglect, and abandon their children. Right. So it's this whole combination of, like I said, the perfect storm. Right. That leads to these situations that we see. Yes. Well, that's that's the best explanation I think I've ever heard of putting it all together as far as the development and the processes of your brain and how all of that comes together for individuals. 
Thank you. Um, if I could just give a little plug to the book that I learned yes, most of that from. Please. It's actually called Brain-Based Parenting, and it was written by um, an attachment specialist and a clinical psychologist. And basically, um, in the book, they compile all of the research that exists to support um, how brain development throughout childhood impacts parenting. And yes. then they also at the end of the book, talk about some of the things that that we can do as parents or that we can support parents in in learning how to do um, so that they can be successful parents later in life. Interesting. You know, and I'm sure you have found this, that there are certain personalities that seem to have a higher tension level. And I hadn't really thought of it in terms of, (laughs) I know, but but I'm sure you have been out with people or just around people that it, it seems that there's just they need a higher animosity or tension level. And it must be mm-hmm. they're in that crisis type mode. Is that what it is? Maybe? Absolutely. And, and they're not comfortable unless they're in that crisis mode. Right. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I've heard said often, and I genuinely believe to be true, is that the greatest fear is the fear of the unknown. And so no right. matter how difficult or painful your current situation is, we as human beings are most afraid of that which we aren't familiar with. And right. so it's sort of like that where you get comfortable in this mode. It's your defense me- mechanism, right? That right. you've developed to push people away because right. you're afraid of loss. So you're, you're angry, you're mean, you, you know, maybe you have right. road rage is, is the way you express it. <laughs> um, and so. So, yes, absolutely what you said is is spot on. Wow. Well, this is an awesome conversation. I We should take a break at this time. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Misty Ross. We are discussing the Successful Parents Program with Success for Kids and Families, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the families in our community. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. I'm here with Misty Ross. We're discussing the Successful Parents Program with Success for Kids and Families, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the families in our community. Now, Misty, we've been talking a lot about um, hope, patterns of parenting, and different things. Could you share with the audience a little bit more about your personal story? Sure. Well, as I said um, in the first segment... My mother um, was uh, a, a, a chronically abused by her own parents, physically, sexually, um, mentally, um, throughout, really, really from birth, throughout her entire childhood. Um, following that, she um, had experienced domestic violence in multiple relationships, which is something that we often see also with right. the parents in our program. Because what happens, um, as what happened in the case with my mother, was you really... Um, you you have very poor self-esteem, right. you have very little self-worth, you don't 
believe as she did not believe that right. she deserved to be treated better because she had never known anything different. Right. And so after 13 years um, and um, on her third attempt to escape this um, abuser, the father of my brothers, um, she finally was successful and, um, as I said, ended up in a domestic violence shelter. Um um, and my brothers ended up, all five of my brothers um, ended up in foster care. They actually ranged in age from um, nine years old down to three weeks old wow. um, at that time. And so um, the older four were all placed together in one home. The youngest, uh, my youngest brother was actually born deaf. And so he ended up being placed with a different family who was, you know, more equipped to handle his, um, you know, special needs. Yes. And so... Um, Several years later, um, once my mom got on her feet and um, was no longer homeless and was um, receiving counseling service and psychiatric services and had gone through um, vocational rehabilitation so yes. that she could get a job. We've had them on the show. Um, we still use them. That They are wonderful. Yes. Um, um, she regained custody of my oldest four brothers and made the very difficult decision to um, place my youngest who... Um, youngest of my five brothers, um, the one who was deaf, as I was saying, um, up for adoption. And so he actually ended up being adopted, um, not by his foster family, um, but by uh, another family. And um, they were actually missionaries. And so um, he actually got to travel the world throughout his childhood. He lived in Russia and and really all over um, and really got to um, develop the skills that he would need to be a successful adult, yes. which, you know, my mother back in that in those days recognized she would not be able to provide the support for him that, that he would need to be a successful adult. And so now he um, is actually, you know, he's had his struggles most definitely throughout adulthood, um, but he's doing very well now. He's actually um, what I would consider a historian. He um, owns his own small business. He's a chef. He's a oh very good cook, actually, um, lives over in Texas. And um, he actually found our family um, about five years ago. Years ago, we had no contact with him throughout his life until he was in his um, around 30 years old. Wow. And so um, that's it's just that's been a very exciting. interesting experience. Yes, it's been a journey. But it says a lot for your mom that she realized because it's, it's not wrong if you realize that there's just something that you can't handle. And sometimes the harder decision is the best decision. Absolutely. So. And in this case, it was even though she still struggles to see it that way sometimes. Right. Well, it's the mom instinct, right? It's of still course. strong. And there's always the idea, too, of, uh, that you can provide an environment that you that you didn't have. And mm-hmm. that's all hard to do and process. Um, have you personally, though, struggled with – we had discussed this earlier, so I'm not mm-hmm. surprising you. No. But, <laughs> but as far as mental health, uh, mental illness or anxiety or that type of thing? Yes, actually. Um, throughout my adult life, and really beginning in my teenage years, um, and I didn't know this until maybe two years ago, I, I realized that, wow, you really you really are an anxious person, Misty. Right. So um, I really have struggled with anxiety throughout my adult um, life, and I have finally um, gotten the counseling that I needed to really work through where that anxiety was stemming from. Yes. Um, and so, um, you know, much of it came from just 
um, growing up in poverty and having right. a very, um, you know, unstable environment in many ways. I mean, you right. know, my mother, as I said, was a single mom raising five children, if you include me. Right. And so, um, you're the and baby was, and was on disability most of my life from um, a variety of mental and physical um, challenges that she had. And so, um, my anxiety really stemmed from a lot of the uncertainty that I experienced growing up as far right. as, you know, just a whole host of things. Right. Um, and so, so that that's one area that I've um, really struggled with, but as I said, have have finally um, um, gotten to a place where I have worked through a lot of that and where that anxiety came from, and, and I'm doing much better today. Um, the other challenge that I had, um, which also I recently learned stemmed from my early childhood experiences. Right. Um, when my daughter was born back in 2014, I very quickly developed um, a severe case of postpartum depression and, you know, feeling, um, as a lot of you moms out there, I'm sure know yes. who have experienced this, um, feeling a lot of guilt, feeling mm-hmm. a lot of um, anger. I will, I will admit that I, that I was angry and very confused um, about why I was struggling with being a mom. I thought you have a baby and you automatically bond with that baby and what's wrong right. with me, you know? Right, right. And so um, through this brain-based parenting book and that I mentioned earlier and right. some other research that I've read, I learned that because the first five years of my life were so unpredictable, were so stressful. Um, you know, there was a lot of anger and, and aggression in my home between my brothers primarily, um, right. of course, stemming from their boys, own experiences. Yes. And so um, it was um, it was very eye-opening for me. But now that, now that I know that um, – that moms who experience early childhood trauma are more likely to develop postpartum depression. I kind of understand where it came from now and I've been able to forgive myself and work through it and um, be the mom that I've always thought I would be. Right. <laughs> you right. know, it just yes. didn't happen right away for me. And, well, so- see, and that's what's so wonderful is, and that's what people need to realize is you can, whatever the crisis is, you can go, reach the other side of it and you can be on a stable plane, emotional plane. Agreed. Absolutely. It takes a lot of work and it's painful work. I will say it, but you know, for anyone out there who's listening, just don't give up. It is possible to, um, to be healthy and happy and whole. Yes. And I liked what you said earlier about people are afraid to change because they don't know what they're changing to. But the thing is, is you really, you're not changing who you are. You're just a better version of you because you've had the opportunity to understand what has transpired. And you've had the, I guess, the counseling to look at what transpired and to know what you want to take from that. Good, bad, and where it fits into your life. So in a way, when we talk about changing, we're really talking about restructuring your life absolutely yes and um yes you're you're spot on i i 100 agree with what you just said and just tying it back into you know our successful parents program you know as i said many of these parents um experienced foster care themselves right. um abuse neglect abandonment and um have a lot of the same struggles that i've had as a result of that and so um 
So it's just so humbling to be able to support and advocate for these parents who I genuinely believe want to be good parents, but don't have the tools and what I like to call their mental toolbox, right? which I didn't know I didn't have right? until I had a child and realized I didn't have them. Yes. <laughs> and you don't know that. You don't know what you don't know. So, right. Exactly. And so, yeah. Right. Well, let's take a break there. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Misty Ross. We are discussing the Successful Parents Program with Success for Kids and Families, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by the families in our community. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I am here with Misty Ross. We are discussing the Successful Parents Program with Success for Kids and Families, which addresses mental health and other needs identified by families in our communities. And there's something early, early on that we were getting ready to talk about, and I wanted to discuss it now, as far as um, systemic barriers that you run into. Absolutely. Thank you again, Julie. So um, a couple of the barriers, or I should say a few of the barriers that we um, most commonly see to our parents being able to reach the goals that they set when they're in our program. Um, one of the big ones is childcare access. Right. Um, so in order to be eligible to receive a voucher through school readiness, um, you have to be working. And so a lot of our parents aren't working, but want to work. And so right. that's one really big barrier is that oftentimes they don't have the informal support that you or I may have as far as parents or aunts and uncles right. to watch their children so that they can go and apply for jobs. Right. And so that's one big barrier um, that we see to them becoming economically self-sufficient, which is um, one of the primary focuses of yes. successful parents. Um, the other barrier, um, which saddens me to see is um, when we are working with other providers who don't follow through, who aren't responsive, um, who, um, and, and I've seen this um, recently, who make false promises um, and, and commit to doing things that they really can't do mm-hmm. for the parents that we're working with. And so what does that lead to? More disappointment. Right. Them returning to this place where they're lacking hope. Right. You know, they're lacking trust because why, why? So, so what we see oftentimes is they'll, they'll stop trusting us and our program, even though, you know, we're trying to be consistent. And, and so, um, so that, that really is a big barrier. Um, but we really try to work with them and say, you know, let's get through this. Let's find another plan B. Right. Um, and the third one is there is a, uh, a great lack of affordable housing in our community. Right. Um, so going back to the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that very basic need of safe and stable housing, and I like to add the safe part because a right. lot of our communities, even if you have stable housing, are very unsafe. Right. Um, and so when that basic need is not met, then 
How can you focus on your mental health? Right. You're How just can trying you to focus survive. on getting a job? You're afraid that a bullet's going to come through your window. You're afraid because you're living in your car and it's, you know, you're uncomfortable because it's cold outside. I mean, right. whatever the case may be. So the lack of affordable housing is, is a huge barrier. Um, yes. And then the other thing we want to talk about was partnerships. You have a lot of partnerships within our communities. What are some of those? We do. Um, So as I said earlier, we um, work with a variety of uh, mental health professionals, uh, therapists, psychiatrists, um, who will, you know, serve the parents that we work with. Um, We also partner with um, parenting programs, housing assistance providers, um, job skill and education programs like um, Career Source and right. um, vocational rehabilitation. Um, a lot of our clients, um, you know, want to be in the medical field. So we partner with schools that will help them get their CNA license or earn their GED. In many cases, you know, they haven't finished high school. Right. Um, and also um, agencies that support parents with intellectual and physical disabilities. We work with um, one called Self-Reliance pretty regularly. Yes. Um, and so um, just really um, a whole host of providers based on, you know, whatever the needs are for that particular family. Um, you know, in addition to, you know, places like Home Depot or Heart for Bus Passes. Or- right, right. Because we've had Heart on the program. That will teach you how to ride the bus if you have mm-hmm. intellectual disabilities or a handicap, some other type of handicap. Absolutely. And you're just not familiar with it. Or you simply don't have a car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. Um, the other program, um, one other program that I would like to plug um, yes. because they are within our agency is um, the Healthy Start program, which yes. I don't know if you all are familiar with, but we work with, or they, I should say, work with um, pregnant women and parents with children under the age of one. Um, and they really provide um, uh, maternal and child health education. So we partner with them a lot where our case manager with successful parents will work with that case manager to kind of wrap that family around in the supports that they need um, right. and just to kind of um, really just kind of provide a more comprehensive um, approach to dealing with whatever their needs are. So how does someone find you, like the Healthy Coalition? The Healthy Start Coalition, well, they're in the building next to us. <laughs> so um, we um, basically oversee the Healthy Start Intake Department, um, Success for Kids and Families does, right. as well as the case management piece, So, um, which is community-based as well. Right. And you just had your March Madness basketball game. We did our big <laughs> tournament, which um, is for children who attend um, center-based schools who don't have regular access to um, – sports and right. extracurricular type things. So we do that every year. Yes. And that's a reward for their um, getting through and being successful in school. Absolutely. And um, to refer to the successful parents program, yes. um, you can either um, three options. You can either go on our website, www.s, the number four, kf. Org. Again, www.s4kf.org, or you can reach out to me directly. My email address is m, as in Misty, R-O-S-S, at s4kf.org. Again, M-R-O-S-S, at s, the number four, kf.org. Or you can call me on my cell, which is 813-724-4679. Again, that number is 813-724-4679. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Did you have a special message? 
Yes. Um, just in closing, I would like to say that, you know, as I mentioned before, I genuinely believe and I hope that your listeners genuinely, um, you know, just think about what I said when I said that parents really do want to be good parents. They simply don't have the tools in their mental toolbox. So please, you know, just take a moment and try not to judge the mother who is in a domestic violence situation, who's refusing to leave. Try to understand that that's coming from a place of insecurity and poor self-esteem in many cases. Try not to judge the father who's abusing drugs and alcohol because oftentimes he's doing that in order to um, cope with his underlying depression or anxiety um, and, you know, the pain that he's feeling as a result of his, um, his life experiences, um, and the symptoms that result from that, whether they be sleep issues, um, racing thoughts, anger management challenges, just please take a moment and try not to judge those parents so quickly. And just please remember the cycle of abuse and neglect and violence and all of the cycles that we think about related to mental illness can be broken Right, and know that there is hope. Yes, and thank you for giving us that message of hope today. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Please join us next Sunday at 1 o'clock. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined... Please support the advertisers that support this program. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1 for the Special Needs Family Hour, only on AM 860. The Answer.